With the inception and traction that blockchain and crypto has gathered, the world is possibly on the verge of the largest evolution since the mainstream of the internet. Given the fluidity and dynamic nature of this technology, business leaders, enthusiasts, and veterans all need to band together to navigate the current and upcoming storms. Participants in Web 3.0 want a trusted resource that gives them pertinent information about projects, tokens, technology, and businesses. We are business people talking the business of crypto. We are Y Whales. All right, so Y Whales. So uh, it's nighttime for me. Could be morning for most of you. We've got Tom, uh, the lead developer from APY Vision. Um, and uh, really excited for this one because I think all of us at some point have lost crypto. <laughs> Not lost, we just don't know where it was. We don't know what our liquidity pool is. Um, and if you've been in the DeFi space for any amount of time, um, you've just struggled with how do you track anything and everything related to this. Um, so without me kind of uh, uh, overstepping the bounds because I am absolutely no, no pro at this, um, Tom, how did you, you know, what's your background in the space that, that kind of led you to APY Vision? Yeah, for sure. Well, thanks. First of all, thanks for having me here. Um, you know, I think uh, a lot of people, you know, are pretty new in DeFi and are curious about it. And, you know, I was once there as well. And uh, actually, this was 2015 when I started mining Ethereum. Uh, so I was, I'm, I've been a developer since 2010. And, um, you know, my interest has always been, you know, software slash hardware and the combination of the two. And, um, you know, first time I kind of read about mining was actually uh, with Bitcoin. And uh, I did some research about Bitcoin and, you know, it didn't seem that exciting to me because, you know, it's just a, it's just a way for people to, you know, send other people Bitcoins. And, um, you know, that didn't excite me too much. But it was 2015 when Ethereum came about where, you know, as a developer, you can actually program money. So you can write smart contracts that execute based on certain conditions. And to me, that was an aha moment, which was like, well, you know, I can utilize my skills as uh, somebody who can write code and also contribute to the ecosystem. And uh, so I, I started that, I started with mining because I really wanted to see how the, the whole system works without actually any servers, which was kind of crazy at the time uh, to be not, to be able to, you know, have contracts that run in a decentralized fashion where nobody controls. And so uh, I started mining. And uh, at one point, actually, I brought down the whole street because I had 40 video cards running at my house and basically <laughs> took down the whole street. And um, that, you know, that was not fun. But the, the gist of it was I was actually pretty involved initially in the mining aspect um, and then moving, moved on to more of the software and development side starting in 2017. So I've been building in this in uh, in Ethereum specifically since 2017. So that so in in uh, in crypto, that's at least two decades. So <laughs> um, for how fast things move, and, and it's interesting because I, I share a, a similar um, crypto by itself. Just coins moving back and forth didn't have much interest until we got into the fact that it's like. Now you can program what these things do. And that, that really, you know, um, it's a dynamic change. And so obviously you're, you're an Ethereum guy. Um, you're already mining it. Now you're there. Um, you know, did, when, did, did you evaluate? Actually, you couldn't have because 2017, there was only Ethereum. Yeah, I, there was, um, yeah, the smart contract platform was very uh, nascent. So 
there was Neo, who, who was promising a lot of things. Um, there's Cosmo, which also, you know, promised a lot of things. But it was Ethereum, really, that, uh, you know, had had the basis for smart contracts. And, you know, it took a few years even to have that mature because uh, 2017, 18, 19, it was just people who, you know, believed in the, in, in the product and building towards it. So you got people that are building the, the foundations with oracles, uh, with uh, you know contracts that allow people to build on top of, and so that's why I think we've seen you know such a big shift in the last uh, year or so because of the maturity of the platform uh, of Ethereum and EVM that uh, contributed to the rise in DeFi and whatnot. Awesome. So, so talk to us. So let's, let's dive into what was the problem that, that you saw that led you to say, you know, to build APY and, and, or was that even your first project that you built? Actually, no, it wasn't. The first project I built was actually a, um, a, a game. Uh, so it's actually built for people who are interested about crypto, but doesn't want to, um, you know, spend actual money and involve themselves with, um, you know, with, with the risk. And so we actually built a little mobile game that allowed people, allows people to invest uh, just virtually, like, you know, with play money. And uh, what we do is we partner with companies that will sponsor these contests and uh, the winners will actually win something. So that's how we we're able to, you know, uh, get other people into the space. Uh, we had about 200,000 users, but unfortunately Google Play uh, didn't, doesn't like crypto. And so we got to a point where it kind of uh, got on their radar and uh, they said it was a crypto type of app and they didn't, they didn't like that. And so, um, yeah, and then they shut it down. But it was a blessing disguise because that was when DeFi actually uh, kind of grew and it matured a lot. And so this was a spring 2020. Uh, Uniswap version 2 just came out, which is a decentralized exchange. And uh, it was pretty novel in the sense that it was, um, you know, a, a, anyone can actually create uh, liquidity pools. And so it was a permissionless way for people to understand, um, you know, what liquidity providing is. And that's when we saw an opportunity to come in because there's been a lot of focus on the trader. So people trading coins, swapping coins, but there isn't much attention on the other side, which is the liquidity provider side. And so we thought that that was a great idea to come in and provide analytics and clarity for liquidity providers. So awesome. So let, let's just dive right in. And, and I'd love to see, um, you know, really from your eyes, because I, I, I went and played, uh, I've used APY Vision and a number of our, uh, our members have played with it as well or used it. Um, and I was just fascinated by how, intuitive and actually like you're, you're driving through every step of the way, driving the action. You're not saying, Hey, come play with it. You're saying, here's what you're going to do. And here's the way to make it happen. So I'd love to kind of hear from you, um, you know, what went into that and, and talk about kind of the development um, on Ethereum and, and uh, you know, if you plan on going into any other chains besides Polygon. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Uh, so yeah, we, so actually I, to, to be honest, I built this tool just for myself. Uh, I was very involved with liquidity providing because if you look at traditional finance, you're not able to actually participate as a liquidity provider because the banks and the brokerages all 
you know, don't want you to make money because they are the ones who are charging all the fees and they're the, being the middlemen for, you know, stock brokerages, the commodity exchanges, etc. And so with, with DeFi and sort of the decentralized aspect of it, um, smart contracts actually govern the, um, you know, the, the fairness and also the transparency for, for providing liquidity. And so um, it was one of those things where I've, thought that uh, it's a great it's a great concept and nobody's really serving that part of the um, of the marketplace and so yeah basically I built a tool just for myself because I was very heavily involved uh, in the beginning of 2020 with uh, liquidity pools myself and then I showed it to a bunch of people and they loved the you know the first concept of it and uh, that's when I decided to you know continue building it and um, yeah basically, uh, expand the, uh, the, the the offering. Uh, we started with one AMM, which was just Uniswap version two, and now we're uh, on about twenty seven different AMMs and counting. And then we're also on eight different chains. So definitely expanding to uh, where people are going. So we started with Polygon, and then we moved to Phantom, and now uh, we're on Avalanche, Harmony, and Celo, and uh, yeah, a couple others as well. And then Solana is actually one uh, one chain that we're working on. Um, you know, a lot of people are actually moving to uh, layer two cheaper solutions. So we, you know, we, we go where our users go. And a little unknown fact about the credit providing: uh, if you take the whole DeFi pie, which you know is 100 percent, the credit providing is actually 30 to 40 percent of all total lock value in DeFi. So it's actually quite a big chunk for uh, liquidity providers and people who are essentially becoming market makers. Fascinating. So you know, you, you had a whole bunch there. Talk like talk about um, you know j- just these partnerships you have because you're so involved with these protocols and 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 not only is your platform constantly changing, but their platforms are changing. Um, you know, how, what does it take to, to stay uh, up to date with everything that they're doing? Yeah, great question. So there's a lot in the space and, you know, I wish I had like uh, clones of myself, but, uh, you know, we're kind of, uh, you know, just a proliferation of all these AMMs and updates. Uh, one strategy that we use, which uh, has been working pretty well, is that uh, we when we write code, we try to expose a certain level to other people who can develop on it. So we rely on this uh, uh, framework or token or protocol actually called the graph. And essentially, instead of you having to um, you know, read from the blockchain, which is slow and actually quite tedious, you would write code to basically tell the graph what you would like to see and you make it sort of a uh, intermediary, intermediary stock uh, data um, where you can actually uh, expose it for your use, but other developers can also consume it as well. And if they have a, um, a suggestion as to how to make it fed better and faster and index more data or new data that comes out as other AM, as AMMs change the, the protocol, then they can contribute to it as well. So it's kind of like a community effort to help with the uh, getting this data, and so we've we've contributed subgraphs, and other people have contributed uh, to our subgraph as well. And so 
we feel that um, having this like a shared layer of data where it's kind of in its raw form and then other people can contribute to it uh, and then we enrich it with our own system. I think that has been working pretty well um, just so that everyone can, um, you know, contribute to it and also benefit from it. Um, yeah, in terms of, uh, yeah, in terms of other, um, other updates, yeah, we definitely have to stay up, stay up to date because, you know, thing, protocols upgrade, um, things change and whatnot. So definitely a, not, not an easy thing to, to keep up with everything, but that's why we're here and that's why we exist. Would you mind pulling up uh, uh, APY Vision, just kind of walking us through what what a, a new user would see and, and how they interact? And I was also just extremely impressed um, by how you managed your tokens, uh, as well as as integrating NFTs now, which is which is you know the growing trend. Yeah, for sure. We can definitely go through a demo first, and then we can talk about the the token economics and whatnot. I've actually loaded one of our demo accounts here. And um, this is the screen that people would see when they enter their account and they have liquidity pools. Uh, so I would say this is the core of uh, what a user would do on APY Vision. And um, yeah, once we loaded the account information, uh, you can see that this person's in quite a lot of different pools. Um, this is, yeah, uh, pretty much <laughs> this, every, this is your, this, every this, exchange. Yeah. This person is tattooing yeah, APY and, uh, vision onto themselves. <laughs> yeah. yeah, exactly. But uh, yeah, what we could see is that um, just for the users who maybe are not familiar with, with what we do, we actually show a user's portfolio based on what their starting points were, which actually uh, in this case is the RAP BTC ETH pool. And uh, just, the, just for those who don't know, uh, whenever you enter a liquidity pool, you're supposed to provide one or more tokens. Uh, most of the time, it's two tokens, but uh, it can be up to eight. So if you look at um, some of the, that's this one, for example, this one has uh, seven tokens within it. And so the idea is that it's quite difficult to keep track of what you started with because of all these um, tokens that uh, you provide liquidity with. And so our our goal is to make that super simple and super straightforward to understand what your starting amounts were, and um, also at that point in time, how much you prov- uh, how how much of that is worth in U.S. dollar terms. And um, as uh, as a liquidity provider, unfortunately, you're you're subject to uh, market forces, and so you might have started with two tokens that um, you provided. Um, various token amounts with but over the course of time because people are buying one or the other of your token the allocation could shift and it's this um, shifting in the ratios that actually determines what we call impermanent loss and so this is uh, uh, a calculation where if there's a divergent price ratio from when you started to the current price ratio 
then you will suffer what we call internet loss due to the way that the AMM um, works. So, um, so, so, so real our quick, users find that helpful. Yeah. So real quick, just, I would love to hear your definition of impermanent loss and, and, you know, in there, because we've all heard it, we all understand it, but you you live it. Yeah. So impermanent loss, uh, it's basically what we call when there's a price divergence. So, when you provide liquidity, you provide it at a price ratio between the tokens that you provide liquidity for. And so, uh, for example, I could be providing liquidity for uh, ETH and DAI or ETH and USDC at a rate of 3,500 to 1, right? Now, if the token price ratio changes and now it's, let's say, 5,000 to 1, then there is a price ratio uh, change since since that time, and so the 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 way that the AMMs work, uh, w- what happens is anytime there's a price divergence, uh, there will be some loss that will incur based on the mathematical formula of the uh, of the exchange, and so yeah, it's it's a it's if. The readers want to look into it. There's like all these papers, but think of it as any time that there's a price divergence uh, between when you started to to when you exit, there will be some impermanent loss that will be suffered. Now, uh, you might be asking, so how do I minimize impermanent loss? And so, the way to do that is to pick the tokens that will never deviate in price ratios between each other. So. A common pool that, which is you know quite large, that people like, is uh, USDC USDT pool. So it's a stablecoin stablecoin pool. Uh, so by 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 definition, stablecoins are worth a dollar, right? So they don't change in value, right? So if you started with a ratio of one to one, and you leave with a ratio of one to one, then there is no impermanent loss because it's the the price ratio is the same. Um, does that make sense? Oh, absolutely. No, no, no. And that, and that was fabulous because, um, again, it's, it's something, you know, you live every day and I hear, but it's really something to hear you say, uh, to say that. So, um, continue, please, please going through this. Cause it's, it's fabulous to hear you explain it versus me, you know, messing my way through it. <laughs> yeah, no problem. So, um, so as you can see, stable coin, pools are, are very good candidates for uh, finding liquidity. Uh, the downside is, you know, everyone has the same idea. And so what could end up happening is that a lot of people are providing the liquidity to the same pools, but because there isn't that much activity in the pool, so people aren't swapping as much or, you know, uh, people are swapping, but because the pool size is so large, your share of the fees, which is the primary, uh, the primary um, way in which, uh, one of the primary ways in which a liquidity provider makes money is, um, is, is through fees. And so your capital efficiency is, is not as great because everyone's kind of doing it. Um, another good candidate is this one, which is the BTC ETH pool. Right, uh, they're more or less correlated assets, although maybe recently not as much anymore. But uh, usually, when Bitcoin goes up, ETH goes up as well. So the price ratio between the two, you know, stays more or less in the in the range, and so people like that a lot. Uh, and so, um, 
those are the sort of candidates that I would um, I would evaluate on, or those are the criteria I would evaluate on it for if I were to look for a pool. Um, but the, the the long of it is that uh, you can provide a pool, you can provide to any pool, um, and APY Vision will track it if it's an AMM that we support. And so, uh, yeah, just going back to the demo here, we can see that um, this user started with this amount of uh, BTC in the pool, and they also had this amount of ETH when they started. But because of the the, the fact that uh, ETH has been outperforming Bitcoin, everyone was essentially swapping the ETH of this user for Bitcoin. So he ended up, or he has now more Bitcoin than he started with, but, but way less ETH than he started with. And so um, because of the fact that they've been both going up, the gains is actually, you know, 94%. But this, the, the caveat is if we switch off the market gains as a result of the price appreciation of the tokens, you can actually see that this person has, um, has lost money due to, uh, due to impairment loss. And so um, a lot of people don't realize it, but, you know, if you take away the market gains uh, in a bull market, you can actually see that, you know, sometimes it might not be uh, that worthwhile to provide liquidity. So my next question is, how do you best prevent that from happening? And, and how do you, how do you um, really pick which pools you want to go into? Yeah, definitely. So, and and well, none of this of all, is none of this uh, is like financial advice. <laughs> We're just playing a game here. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So none of it is financial advice. Just wanted to let the audience know that. Um, what I what I look for usually is um, a couple things. So obviously, looking for correlated assets, assets that both go up and, and perhaps both go down. Uh, those that would be a good candidate when I evaluate a pool. Uh, if you think that one of the tokens is going to outperform the other, so for example, ETH USDC, um, then it wouldn't make sense too much to provide liquidity for that pool because, uh, especially when one is stable, you know that the the value wouldn't go up or down um, too much, uh, whereas the other token could uh, you know could, could jump, and so essentially people are then buying off you uh, as the price of ETH goes up to that um, in that instance. So if you think a token is going to go up over time, um, then I would not consider putting it into a pool. Where I think it might make sense if, is if it's um, what we call a crab market. So basically, you don't know where the market's going. It could be it's going up and then it's going down and it's going up, it's going down. Um, that's actually a good candidate for, uh, for for being in a pool because you're just collecting fees over the, the course of that time. Um, and uh, the other the other thing is, you know, once you're in a pool, um, how would, how do you know when to get out? And so there's a, actually a couple of considerations here. Uh, I'm just going to go into the more details here to show you guys that. Now, one consideration that you might find helpful is if the fees that you've been collecting is trending over trending down over time. 
And you can actually see that on their platform where um, this pool, maybe not so much, but uh, some pools, you can see that the volume drops over time and that, you know, you're not earning as much fees anymore because of that. So that would be a consideration for perhaps finding a better candidate or perhaps uh, switching to another pool that gives you more of um, uh, of fees because a main determinant is um, the fees that or the, the trading volume, which dictates the amount of fees that is generated. So that would be another consideration for me to to exit a pool. Is there is there any um, active alerts, or do you have to log in and be watching this? That's a great. That's a good question. Um, we are actually working on alerts. So whenever there is, um, you know, perhaps a spike in employment loss, or we see that there's a downtrend in the volume, then we would alert you so that you can take action on it. So that that's something that is in the works for us. More, you know, be more actionable and uh, automating uh, uh, so, some of these, uh, uh, you know, some of these actions that a lot of our LPs do on a kind of a manual basis. Awesome. Yeah. So, so continue, uh, continue going through the platform and, you know, really, like I said, you also have, uh, farming and, and vaults. So run through, run through how those work on APY vision. Yeah, for sure. So a, a big factor when considering entering a pool that a lot of our users, um, do is looking at, you know, the opportunities there are for farming. And for those of you who don't really know too much about farming, it's essentially a way for protocols to attract liquidity and in return for providing liquidity on their on their protocol, on their platform, they will give you um, some incentive. So, for example, here in this pool, uh, this user is getting two rewards. He's getting uh, not just sushi, but he he's also getting Matic. Uh, and that's in addition to the uh, to the trading fees that are being generated in the pool, um, the more risky it is, usually the higher the the the, the rewards. So it's yeah, it's, it's a bit of a risk reward play there. Uh, one thing to keep in mind is obviously when you send out your LP tokens, which is your share of the liquidity pool, you might be subject to. Um, to, you know, to losing it because you don't actually own it at that point. And so, um, yeah, that's a, that's a bit of a risk. But um, in our platform, if you do decide to farm and uh, get rewards from, from farming, uh, we actually show you that information in our site. So as you can see here, this pool is in a farm and we track the uh, dependent rewards that the user has. Uh, same thing for some of these ones here. Um, and yeah, so th that's, you know, not all, not all pools have pending rewards, but um, the ones that you enter the pool with uh, and send your LP tokens away, we usually track that for you. You have absolutely made so many spreadsheet people very unhappy by making it this easy. Um, I mean, I, I see people share the screens all the time. <laughs> like, like, here's how I, I monitor this. And it's like 20 tabs on, on everything. And they've got pivot tables and they're going back and forth and they're manually updating this. I mean, this is all, you got a lot going on and you're, you're really detailed about it. So there's a lot of, you guys are obviously active traders. 
um, to, to have this much depth going on here. Um, is talk, what's your team like, you know, are they, are they active in, in these protocols as well? Yeah, definitely. So everyone on the team is a liquidity provider and it's actually very great to see because I started it, um, just as the core dev, but you know, people reach out to me and they want to contribute and that's how we got the group together. And so it's, you know, the core, the core group is, uh, they're all, we're all liquidity providers and solving our own problems. And so, um, yeah, it's, it's been great to, to see just to align, uh, you know, align people that have shared interests and yeah, it's, it's been, uh, it's, it's been great to see that. That's fabulous. So, so show me vaults cause I don't think I've ever used a vault <laughs> and, um, I, I tried to figure out how to make one and I, I didn't quite uh, get that far before our interview today. Yeah, for sure. So, you know, when, when you farm, meaning you send out your LP tokens uh, to, to farming uh, opportunities, you have to manually collect these rewards. And so, you know, sometimes it can be, uh, if it's fine, you got time, but sometimes, you know, you don't really have, you know, that much time. Um, the other problem is, uh, well, not the problem, but the other the other benefit um, of you collecting frequently is that you can actually reinvest the rewards and get more of the pool tokens. And essentially you're auto compounding your gains. And so that's what a lot of people do to, you know, make sure they're maximizing the gains, but it does get tedious in the sense that you're constantly doing this. And now if you're on uh, Ethereum mainnet, uh, we can all attest to this, is that uh, gas fees are ex exuberant at the moment. And so for you to perform these actions, which is to you know collect the reward and then buy spot for more uh, tokens and then provide liquidity and then send the liquidity token to the farm, uh, that's going to cost you a lot of money. And so what these fault protocols or auto compounding protocols allow you to do is they say, well, give me your LP token, the receipt of the pool. And what we'll do is we'll actually do it automatically for you whenever there's a need to collect rewards. And so they essentially auto compound everyone's shared um, LP tokens, and then they reinvest it. And so it's, it's a way for you to passively manage the um, the collection of the rewards and then also compounding it for you so that you maximize your gains. And so um, I'm going to go down here. Um, I'm in a vault where uh, it has these two tokens. And so the idea of that is that they will invest the tokens that um, that you, that is in the credit pools and then they will reinvest any rewards. And so we support that in the sense that we show our users what they started with, um, what their gains are from the from any market price movement since they started, and also any gains from the fault that um, that that the fault has uh, has helped with the user for. And so you can see, um, you know, I deposited one point nine four. Uh, liquidity pool tokens, and now um, because of the auto compounding, I, I got I got a 
their user got a little bit more there. So, um, yeah, so that's, that's, if you're more passive, I would recommend, you know, investigating in, uh, you know, sending your tokens into, into some vaults so that, uh, it auto compounds for you. Listen, anything that we can do to avoid some of these ETH gas fees, because it's, it's just, uh, you know, it's crazy. I mean, even, even just writing, uh, a few wallet addresses to to the blockchain can be a hundred dollars uh, in ETH gas, and so it's kind of the the blessing and the curse of success. And I'm sure for you, you know, you went from you know watching Solana like fees on Ethereum to now you're going, oh my god, you know, it's the monster of its own success. Yeah, definitely, and uh, that is you know a uh, touchy subject that you know a lot of people um, feel strongly about whether or not it's uh, you know. A, a trader or a VC or, uh, you know, a builder in the space. I think we all realize that that's a problem. Yeah. And, and clearly it's, it's being addressed. And, and, uh, I saw some really good integration with Polygon, um, which is how, when I was earlier doing, uh, basically I, I wanted to go buy one of your NFTs and, uh, uh, utilize that as my membership. I thought, which I thought was very interesting. Um, you know, it, it was moving over to Polygon and then the, the transactions, a fraction of a cent. Um, it's just getting, <laughs> getting assets over to Polygon, uh, ETH gets to take their last little chunk out of you. Mm, yeah, definitely. So yeah, that's why our subscription plan is, uh, is on Polygon precisely because of that. Uh, just the gas fees alone is, is probably going to cost even more than the subscription itself. So it did, <laughs> but, but I wanted to try it and, uh, and, <laughs> and make it happen. So, uh, jumping back over to, to the demo, um, we've, we've seen how to track it. How do we find, uh, you know, it's the, it's the age old, like searching for alpha, searching for the API, searching for all this stuff. And I noticed you have a number of amazing tools, um, and I, that I hundred percent used wrong. So what's, what's the best way that, that yourself or someone could, could really dive in and search for those, those hidden pools that are uh, getting the massive APYs? Yeah, definitely. So we have a section on our site where people can actually do research and find opportunities. And so we have, um, I think we've indexed about 25 or so. AMMs and you know within each AMM there could be thousands of pools. So we try and index as much as we can, and uh, that allows us to surface information about these pools and about the trading volumes and what we expect the uh, the trading fees are are being generated, uh, which you know is is the main the, uh, the the main determinant as to how profitable you are as a liquidity provider without you know any farming incentives or anything like that um so yeah in this page we have the find pools and discover uh pools page and as you can see um a lot of avalanche pools have have been coming up recently because uh you know avalanche has been um you know in the spotlight if you will and uh there are projects that are built being built on it and they you know they offer quite high APYs for uh, you know for people to provide liquidity on their on their pools. Um, so yeah, this is a way for us to gauge what um, what their highest performing pools are, and we can also see in here that um, we have what we call a um, a velocity uh, gauge, which is to tell our users what the uh, the rate the, the 
the velocity of the APYs that are being generated. So as you can see here, um, in this pool, for example, um, if we look at Jewel, which is a DeFi, DeFi type of game, um, you can see that uh, the the APY, uh, you know, on the, in the last thirty days is over one hundred percent, and so um, that might be a good candidate for some people whose investment thesis could be, you know, DeFi gaming, and uh, you know, also trying to see what passive opportunities there are, and um, yeah, so this is kind of the the research side, and uh, it, you can actually drill down to it a little bit as well if you want, wanted to see, you know, what what the um, what the pool has has looked like. So you can see here that um, you know seven days ago, thirty days ago, um, the, the the fees have been quite high, but you know, keep in mind there is the concept of a permanent loss. So we, we also calculate that for you to give you a true sense of what the APY is. So um, as you can see here, you know, it's been looking good, but there's also the fact that uh, perhaps because of the, you know, the massive increase in price of uh, the, the token, that there would be uh, as, you know, a possibility of a permanent loss. And, and, and for everyone to know, like when you have a permanent loss, you're just going to get the other token. Um, you know, it's not like it just disappears. You just, you lose your game. You lose, you know, the momentum that you're on. Correct. Yeah. Um, so depending on the AMM itself and the, and the, uh, the, the algorithm, um, some of those will actually result in more of a unfavorable, um, unfavorable situation for you um but yeah it you know think of it as um we try to minimize the impermanent loss as possible in this case you know because jewel is going up what you end up with is less jewel but more usdc which um you know is uh you know it's not it's not great but you're you're getting essentially you know you're selling your token that's going up in price yeah. to um to other users and getting USDC back. Yeah, and vice versa. It, it crashes down, you lose your USDC, and you end up with a bunch of jewel at you know pennies on the dollar. If 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 there's a rug, um, and I guess that's a, a question. What does it look like in a in a rug pool? Like how quickly does that liquidity pool just crash? You know, when I started, it actually happened a lot more than it does now. Uh, fortunately for people who are coming in, uh, but you know, I think. I think the the rate was somewhere between you know every, every ten pools that I would invest in, you know, two or three would be you know either rug pulls or suffering hacks and um, you know and then in that in that in those cases you yeah get more of the governance token or the project token that isn't worth anything. So not only do you have to initially buy it to provide liquidity you uh at the end will actually get a lot more of that token which becomes worthless so that's that's kind of a double whammy um unfortunately in, in those situations no absolutely you know what do you what do you get you really excited about kind of the future of apy vision you know are you looking for um you know big upgrades obviously probably a couple of new chains yeah so i think if you look at you know what 
what people uh, like uh, they like automation they don't want to be you know essentially doing the same thing over and over again uh, they like to be you know setting parameters and and you know switching pools and and basically looking for the best opportunities so analytics is you know going to be still a big part for us but I think moving more to the automation side um, you know more real-time sort of decisions that can drive uh, you know NLP's bottom line those are the things that we are going to be looking at as we look forward to 2022 fabulous what cha- what change you on right now yeah we're on let's see we're on eight different chains so ethereum obviously uh, then polygon and phantom and cello and avalanche and xdi arbitrum and harmony so those are the eight chains that we support at the and, you, and by the way you do a fabulous job on your platform of of pushing people if they want to get into that liquidity pool of which, what, how to go swap them, where to go, how to add those to MetaMask. You had all those, all the kind of like buttons right there on your platform. So I, I really applaud you for, for making sure that even with somebody that's new um, to the platform or, or kind of getting into, you know, maybe, maybe somebody hasn't messed with Solo that much, you've got all the information right there to drive them into those pools that they were researching on, on APY Vision. Yeah, definitely. And I think we can definitely do a better job as well. So, you know, a lot of the pain points currently is, you know, how do I bridge from one to the other? Because I need to, I need those tokens on that bridge. So we'll be actually introducing more material as to uh, which bridge works best and also uh, which bridge works on which network. And then also, yeah, guiding our users through the whole process for them to, you know, swap uh, from one chain to another. So um, as we kind of just talked about Ethereum, you know, it's, it's the giant uh, elephant in the room. What, as someone who you mined it, you've developed it, you, you run a business on it, um, the gas is just a problem that, that unfortunately we can't, you know, ignore uh, anymore. And, and clearly ETH2 is, is eventually coming. There's side chains, you know, uh, the London Fork was supposed to help. Uh, it wasn't the London Fork. Um, that's Bitcoin. Um, the uh, EP1559 was supposed to help. What, what do you think is is actually going to solve some of these problems? Because um, even moving to the side chain, you still have to get off. You still have to move through ETH. Yeah, definitely. I think, you know, this is why we're seeing, you know, if you look at the, the price charts, is all these, you know, Ethereum killers are actually, you know, uh, I would say outperforming a lot of the other tokens, uh, precisely that, which is, you know, they're attracting users who are, you know, not, you know, not really, they don't really, you know, care as long as there's somewhere that they can, you know, transact easily and quickly and and cheaply. Um, You know, I think there will be a time where ETH2 will eventually come out. Uh, That's, I think that's probably for sure. Um, and so I think in the time being, uh, you know, we're going to be seeing some fragmentation, I think. Uh, yeah. I mean, even, even if we go on Arbitrum and come back from Arbitrum, I think, uh, on the official bridge, it, it takes seven days at the moment. So, um, yeah, definitely not, uh, you know, no one's going to wait seven days for, you know, for that. Right. So, so, um, it, and again, it's, it's a fascinating problem, you know, based on its own success, you know, if, if NFTs weren't on there, 
Um, clearly, that would remove a ton of gas uh, from people minting minting a bunch of JPEGs and 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 everything there. But it's also the popularity of the platform. So it, it's you want to be where everyone is. Um, but I mean, it's it's painful. It's really painful sometimes um, when you've got to do multiple transactions and you're you know you're like I just need to move five hundred dollars here and then three hundred dollars in gas later. You're like. <laughs> you know what what do you do um so you know when you look at when you look at chains and you look at the side chains that you're evaluating you know how much business is do, is being done on ethereum versus versus the side chains at this moment do you have a statistic on that um no but actually uh someone on our team is actually creating what we call a quarterly report which is a quarterly summary of you know all the movements between the different chains on AMMs and also where the liquidity is going. And so we will be actually publishing that in a couple of weeks. And yeah, definitely at that point we can we can share sort of where you know where the liquidity is moving, which is you know what we track. So um, it, when when you're I mean again you're an active trader you're doing this what other tools besides APY um, Vision are you utilizing in your kind of day to day you know trading and, and evaluating and researching? Yeah, definitely. Um, I don't just you know to be completely transparent. I don't trade too too much because I'm not a day trader. I'm a developer, so uh, I probably make like. A couple of trades a week and maybe rebalance pools, uh, you know, a couple of times a week, uh, but nothing, you know, nothing too, too much because, you know, obviously building, building takes most of my time, but um, I do like Dex tools, which is, a, you know, a, a, a decentralized, uh, I guess, if you will, chart and analyzer. So it, it will take on-chain data and, uh, basically analyze the the trades that are happening, uh, the price movements, and lets you draw charts on top of it. Um, so they cater to the trader side of you know of the AMM, whereas we cater more to the liquidity provider side. Uh, but they do have a good product, and they are expanding to a different chains as well. So Dex Tools is something that I would look at. Awesome. Um, so let's talk tokenomics, um, which, you know, again, there's no right or wrong way to do it. And every development team kind of struggles with this and, and goes through it. So what, what's your, um, define the vision token and, and kind of what it's utilized for and, and what's out there right now? Yeah, for sure. So the vision token is a strictly utility token that is used to only unlock access to our professional tools and, and suite of tools. And when we have, you know, automation contracts that come up, uh, that would be a professional member benefit. So think of us, think of the token as a, a lifetime membership token where it's, you know, very much like uh, buying a, a lifetime golf membership. But instead of, you know, buying the, the golf membership, you're buying tokens. And uh, the, the point of that is that we don't want, to sell memberships based on a set price because everyone has different, um, you know, different, different demands and different, uh, um, you know, portfolio sizes that they track. So it wouldn't be fair for, you know, somebody that has a smaller portfolio to be paying the same price as somebody who, you know, has a larger portfolio. And so we took that into consideration when we created uh, the token which is that uh, each token allows you to track $100 worth of portfolio for life. 
So if you have a smaller portfolio size, then, you know, you benefit from that. And so you don't have to buy as many tokens. And so if you, you know, have a $10,000 portfolio, then that, that would be, you know, 100 tokens that you need to hold um, to get access for life. And what's really cool is that, you know, unlike a golf membership where you probably can't sell it, um, or, you know, if you don't like the service or if perhaps, uh, you know, your needs change, uh, then, you know, instead of you holding it, you can actually release it back to the market. And so, um, you know, I hope that doesn't happen to the people who, who, you know, get the membership, but that is one option if they wanted to perhaps, uh, you know, they're not tracking as much anymore and they don't need that many tokens because, um, you know, they've, they've kind of deleveraged from the liquidity pools for for the time being and so they therefore they can sell it back to uh to the market so and, and i correct me if i'm wrong i think that they were under a dollar uh when i just bought a whole bunch earlier today so so again um which i think is very fair as far as how you guys uh manage your tokenomics and and they're not burned because that was the thing i was i didn't under it was wasn't 100 clear so you just stake them essentially or just hold them in your wallet um and they just they just exist and as long as you're using the platform they just sit there yeah, exactly. So basically, you just hold it in your wallet, and that unlocks access once you uh, sign a message to verify that you you own that wallet. And uh, yeah, that's that's pretty much the the you know we want to make it simple for people, not having to you know do too much more than that. Um, but if you do want to get bonus tracking, you can actually become our liquidity provider. So provide uh, half. Uh, vision and half eve and we actually give you uh five to six times bonus tracking for uh you know for 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 helping with uh bootstrapping the liquidity and so a lot of our users find that helpful because now instead of you know uh spending a hundred dollars or sorry one one token to track a hundred dollars you they can buy you know one token and um you know they can track five six times more than that so um yeah so we we try to you know be flexible with with the with the tracking and also um, you know benefit from uh, from the community providing liquidity so, for us. Yeah, awesome. So so tell me about the because there's an NFT um, and I saw NFT and and I just kind of was like oh I need to buy that, um, but it's not a, a permanent thing like the like the tokens. It's a it, it expires, correct? Yeah, that's correct. So um, we've had some feedback as to you know perhaps if you know let's say it's someone that has you know tens of billions of dollars you know it probably wouldn't make sense for them to hold that much tokens and so for those use cases and maybe even for use cases where people don't feel comfortable holding the token they can actually buy a limited time membership where uh, you know at the end of that membership that there will be no more access so that's more of a traditional you know type of uh, subscription base um, approach to, to this. Yeah. Which, which was just a really, again, I, I didn't need it. My, uh, my portfolio is, is yet to reach the billions. Um, but it was, I just said, well, you know, that's interesting because normally you do see the tokens, you do see the staking. Um, and so I just wanted to support and like, I, I want to try it, um, move, you know, which, which involved, uh, migrating over to Polygon and <laughs> the vision tokens and, and going through those steps. Um, but you know, kind of jumping, jumping, you know, past a little bit APY vision. You know, what what's right now got you excited about the space? You know, when when you're in, in blockchain and crypto, 
every day things are, are changing and every 30 days, it's a whole new landscape. You know, what, what's kind of got your attention now that you're just, you're focused on from, you know, almost a personal perspective. Yeah, for sure. So, I mean, what we're seeing is uh, a lot more attention on NFTs, but as, as we all know, NFTs is nothing new, especially, uh, you know, the standard has been out pretty much since Ethereum came out. But what's really cool to see is that, uh, you know, mainstream media is picking that up. Um, I think there would be more utility to ut- more utility to NFTs. Uh, so, for example, uh, NFTs that represent the rights to a uh, a song, for example, or or royalty rights to a song. Uh, those those are kind of the new primitives that that excite me uh, because now you're adding utility to the NFTs, whereas you know currently it's a lot of uh, speculation and you know buying JPEGs and stuff like that. Uh, you know, so buying crypto pumps for millions of dollars, like, you know, it's, it's a great way to, you know, show flex and show that you, you know, are wealthy or well off, but, uh, you know, it doesn't really have too much utility. And so uh, adding the utility aspect to it is something that uh, I'm looking forward to seeing more. So, and, and what, what, pro- like, so you're, you're an NFT guy. What, uh, what projects excite you? Yeah, so I haven't been investing too much in NFTs lately just because, you know, we're heads down building. But uh, one project that I like, uh, and this is, again, not financial advice, is um, this project called Galaxy Fighters. And uh, the reason I like it is it's not just the profile picture, but the NFT is actually going to be used in a game that they're developing. So if you have played um, Smash Brothers, they're looking to, you know, build it like a Smash Brothers, but... Um, but using these NFT characters that you got from, um, you know, f- from the sale, there's from the Genesis sale. And so it's, it's a kind of a cool way to make the utility aspect of it. And also the, you know, the collectability aspect of, of it. So, you know, this is always the, the case is there's so many amazing, like amazing concepts and amazing projects, you know, and when you talk about NFTs in these games, how many of these do you think are actually going to get made? Yeah, so definitely I feel, you know, um, what, what ends up happening is uh, a lot of these projects, they raise a bunch of money and then they, you know, stop, like the motivation stops. And so it's a bit, uh, uh, you know, disheartening to see, especially, you know, uh, when I'm a builder and I, I see people that raise money beside me and, you know, they, they kind of stop iterating and innovating um so there's definitely that possibility which is people feel that they don't need to work hard anymore um but i think you know there are people who are builders at heart and you know it's not so much about the money it's about you know driving the space forward providing value making sure that it's a product loved by people so you know it's kind of a spectrum but i would say you know i i like to look at the glass half full. So I would say, you know, most people are, are in it for the right reason, but obviously there are people who aren't. So. Yeah. You know, and it, it's tough. There's, there's a, there's an entire, you know, lack of, of talent and not, I'm not saying that there's not a, a will to be in there, but you know, the space is so new. Most colleges aren't teaching the, these coding languages. Um, you know, how, where do you, where do you find talent? Where do you find people to, to work with you on your platform? Um, and in that same notion, do you require everyone to be 
known or you do you work with uh, some of the uh, Anon programmers as well? Yeah, for sure. So hiring has been definitely the biggest challenge for us. Uh, just finding the right people, finding quality people, finding people that are interested in what we're doing. And and so I've been super lucky to have a team where, you know, most of the team members are already liquidity providers and they just want to help the project out. And so it's been great to see that, but we are hitting scaling issues in the sense that, you know, we have way more stuff we need to build, but, you know, we don't have enough, uh, you know, enough uh, hands on deck. So that's definitely a big problem. And we have worked with non-developers before, but those haven't been uh, great experiences. So, yeah, we are looking for people who are, um, you know, who, who we can verify and, and, you know, have a conversation with in per, you know, online and in person as well. So, no, and, and, and we go back and forth with it. You know, I interview people that are, that are just like yourself, um, you know, happy to come on cameras and, and, you know, my interview earlier this morning, uh, his family doesn't even know what he does and runs a, a extremely large protocol. So I, I think it's an amazing thing for the space to have the thought that, that you can kind of pick and choose um, you know, and, and certainly, you know, where, where I fall on that, everyone knows, knows who I am. And, um, that's, that's just kind of the age I think showing it, but, uh, any, any last, uh, you know, kind of comments, questions, concerns, or, or things that you'd like to just air, uh, about the blockchain space that, you know, for, for the, all the listeners. Yeah, for sure. I think if, you know, we kind of zoom out, I think we're still very early. and so. Uh, and it's a bit of an unfortunate thing where a lot of people right now are, you know, in it for the money. But I think, uh, you know, to those of you listening, I think if you are interested in, you know, the long-term play and want to get involved, there's actually a lot of, a um, lot of need out there for people. So not just our team, but other dials, for example, or other protocols that, you know, need a variety of different skill sets um, filled. So, I would say, yeah, if, if you are interested in, uh, you know, the long-term aspect of it uh, and not just the trading aspect of it, there's definitely a lot of opportunities for everyone to to contribute to the space. And and you're, again, as a developer, for, for any of the younger uh, generation, because we do have teenagers uh, that are in our, in our community as well, um, what would you recommend that they learn to code in? What would what what languages do you think are, are kind of going to be really prevalent over the next, like, two, three years? Yeah, so I would probably suggest not marrying to one specific language uh, just because, you know, uh, right now, you know, smart contracts is, is hot and everyone wants to do it. Um, but I would say passion goes a long way. So, you know, if you are, a, you know, really have an eye for design and you are wanting to go into the front end aspect of it, you know, it probably doesn't make too much sense for you to pursue uh, you know, smart writing smart contracts because that's you know not something that you're passionate about. So I would say follow your passion and what you like to do. Um, you know, I think I think if um, you know if 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 it's one thing I'll say it's that like if you are finding yourself in a condoldrum and don't know really what you're what you're looking to do, um, I would probably reach out to. Um, you know, mentors and 
uh, look for some guidance on that front instead of, uh, you know, uh, just kind of going into it blindly. Um, you know, having mentors definitely that can guide you, I think will, um, you know, will, will pay dividends. That's fabulous. Tom, I, I got to thank you so much for your time uh, today. This was absolutely fabulous. And, and again, I, I love the, I love the platform. Um, when I, when I logged into my wallet, I was like, I completely forgot that there was two liquidity pools that I was in. Um, and so it, it was, uh, I, I used, yeah, nice. I was like, Hey, found money. Um, didn't know that these exist. That's, that's, uh, um, I guess my last question is what wallet's going to come out. That's going to take over MetaMask. Do you even see something you know, I know there's a, everyone's working on it, but is there, is there like the ultimate wallet coming? Cause I would think that you guys would be, uh, clearly watching that trend. Yeah, it's definitely a pain point right now. You know, you having to store your keys and, you know, making sure that, you know, they're safe and that, uh, you know, it's not been hacked, uh, your computer's safe. Uh, it's definitely a big problem, and obviously there's solutions like Trezor and hardware wallets. But if you ever use the hardware wallet, you'll find that it's a very painful process to approve transactions, to execute transactions, and it just things don't work well. So it's like a, a bit of a yeah a problem right now, especially if the idea is that we want to bring in you know the next billion people into the space. Um, yeah, I'm not sure if there's like a great you know great solution yet but i'm hoping that uh there's some there's some wallets out there that is letting you you know uh basically shard some of your keys with or some of your words uh in the seed phrase with friends and they they can verify uh the keys for example or you know some something along those lines and so i think you know innovations like that where you're you're, you're adding social elements to it i think would uh, would definitely help no, I, I I agree, and we all know that friend that's lost their seed key or locked themselves out or or exposed their seed key, you know, erroneously. So, um, it, it's one of those things. As you're right, before we get the next few billion people uh, into crypto, like that's that's a problem that has to be solved. So, uh, thank you, thank you so much for your time, and uh, that was absolutely fabulous. I really learned a lot about that, and and also from the development side as well. So, thank you. Yes, pleasure. Thanks, Jake. Why Whales was founded in 2021 by Jay Steinbeck, a passionate entrepreneur and business owner with the purpose of bringing YPO and YNG members together in the cryptoverse. Why Whales is a collaborative and confidential community centered around cryptocurrencies and blockchain technology, an exclusive crypto hub of more than 600 members. To be notified when we release new content, please subscribe to our show in your preferred listening app. For more information, visit www.ywhales.com. YWhales is not affiliated with YPO, but at this time only allow for YPO, YPO Gold, and YNG members due to privacy and confidentiality. Support and production for today's episode was done by Truthwork Media. Nothing in the podcast constitutes professional and or financial advice, nor does any information on the podcast constitute a comprehensive or complete statement of the matters discussed or the law relating thereto.